podcast presented by Sable International. I'm Sean Ritchie, and today we're discussing the UK mortgage market. We're joined by Ian Henning, Neil Ambrose, and Bill Monty, who all have vast experience in financial planning and mortgage advice. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. No problem. Ian, as a starting point, how has the lockdown affected the process of trying to secure a mortgage? Well, the lockdown certainly has had a big impact on the mortgage market, mainly because with people unable to leave their homes, barring essential services, what we're finding now is that there's actually a lot of processes that, that need to be followed for the mortgage to take place um, have stopped. Valuations, for example, can't be carried out, which will particularly affect uh, the purchase applications. Uh, from the conveyancing side, you know, they also can't go through with the completions now because you can't get people moving uh, houses at this stage. So we've seen that side of the mortgage market completely freeze, which is an unprecedented event. This freeze has already had an impact on transaction volumes, which is likely to persist until June at the earliest, and that's mainly due to the timing lag you have when purchasing a property. Uh, A survey done by RICS, which is a registered institute of chartered surveyors, estimates that we will see potentially a 20 to 40 percent reduction in transaction volumes. Uh, which will be based on the five-year average in 2020. And although, and now this is off the back of property transactions, which were, up until March, about 0.3% higher compared to where they were in 2019. So that's a significant change from what we expected at the beginning part of this year. Uh, they do, however, suspect that um, transaction volumes should recover to at least 60 to 80% of the five-year average by 2021. So the consensus is that this is going to be a short-term freeze and that once we can get valuers back out and to the properties, you know, we should be able to start seeing property volumes increasing again. Are desktop valuations allowed and acceptable? I think in the most part, a lot of the lenders are trying to accommodate where they can. So desktop valuations or automated valuations are their first choice. Where, they, where they're not able to do that, then they're going on to the physical valuations, which at this point are being halted. But having said that, what we've seen is lenders have changed how they view lending in the sense that they've restricted lending in a lot of cases to 60%. We have over the last few weeks seen some lenders changing, going right up to 85% loans. Again, just depending on the lender that we're going to, and how they're able to conduct the evaluations. In terms of the restrictions of the loan to value, a lot of that has to do with the lender's appetite for risk at the moment. Now, Sable's residential research team have given a publication this month, and within that, have given an expectation that short-term prices are expected to fall in the order of 5 to 10%. This figure is based on the expectation that the economic downturn will be sharp and short-lived. This could change if we experience a deeper or longer recession. Whilst this is an expectation, lenders will only get a feel once valuers are able to go to the properties and value them again. Until then, this is why a lot of lenders are trying to de-risk their portfolios, and that's why they're reducing the loan to values. Well, we've also seen you know, lenders reducing the types of lending they'll look at. So some lenders have stopped lending on flats because it's hard to get accurate desktop valuations on there. So they change their criteria now. They'll only look at houses, for example. So so we are seeing a big shift with some lenders' criteria. Additionally, an extra point just to add in there would be some lenders have shut down lending altogether because of their funding models. 
And I think what we've also seen with the introduction of payment holidays, some lenders are fearful that the uptake is going to be quite big. I've had recent dealings with a lender who shut down completely because of their funding model. If their entire book were to take a three-month payment holiday, that would equate to 12 million pounds a quarter for them alone. So I think that is also something to do or has something to do with the restrictions we're seeing on loans. As Bill said, yes, the price reductions will probably come in once things lift but I think more so it's around the lender's exposure to the market. If we have a possible reduction in valuation, does this present an opportunity for buyers post the lockdown? Definitely, especially on the non-red side. And what I mean by that is we've had a devaluation of the of sterling since, since the, the Brexit vote was passed, and we have a lot of international investors looking to capitalize on that especially prior to changes happening next, next year. For people who have been in the process of a transfer, how has the lockdown affected them? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, a lot of these people are sitting in limbo. So, we, you know, what we call here a, a mortgage chain, which often takes place, where you've got a buyer buying your property, you're buying an onward property. Um, you know, that's had a big impact. So we've already seen a couple of chains fall apart because of all the uncertainty out there. Or you've got instances where, you know, they were right up to exchange and now they've had to pause. So there are instances where contracts have exchanged and they were due completion date. So if for legal purposes you are required to complete, the government is allowing that to to proceed. However, anyone sort of pre-exchange, that's how the market has just stopped. So now you're reliant on hopefully, you know, your chains maintaining and not falling apart, which does start to add strain. Similarly, to add to that, where you've got buy-to-lets in the process of exchanging or completing, there's a lot of concern from the buyer where they will complete on a property, be liable for the mortgage, and not able to have the property tenanted. Coming back to the same question of or query of payment holidays, so somebody's invested in a property, they now can't cover the mortgage because there's no tenant. Can I now have a three-month payment holiday? Again, answering the question about the lender's risk. So we're seeing quite a a lot of knock-on effects of that. I think where we're quite fortunate or strong is doing the remortgages, where clients can get onto a better rate at this point. But lenders are being accommodating. I mean, we are seeing a lot of lenders where mortgage offers have been issued in the past, and if they were maybe three or six months, most lenders are looking to extend those. So clients don't have to worry about their finance expiring and having to go through that whole process again. So, so the lenders are trying where they can. It's not just on that area. There is some po- positive news as well in terms of the new builds that are completing. Normally, uh, on a, when a new build completes, you need to arrange the finance quite soon afterwards, or the developer can take hold of the deposit um, and cancel and cancel your agreement with them. What I have noticed on the new build side is a lot of developers are extending that completion date, which allows a lot of investors more time to arrange these mortgages. And hopefully, once the valuation market comes back, they can then proceed with the completion. So there are some some positives. Mentioning remortgages, Neil, have you seen an increase in the, the rate of remortgages that are being requested at this point? Not necessarily an increase in a request. There's been a lot of requests around the reduction in the Bank of England rates and how this will affect clients. And at this point, we haven't seen many rates coming down. In fact, there's some lenders that have put rates up. What we have seen is variable rates pulled from the market altogether. 
So where clients would have gone on to a tracker mortgage, that is still happening, but clients can no longer apply for a new tracker or variable rate mortgage. Like I said, purely because the Bank of England rate has come down to 0.1%. Lenders haven't reduced their lending in line with that yet because they haven't fully felt the effect of what we've seen with the lockdown, the three-month payment holidays, potentially that they would have to weather. So for the time being, we've not seen rates reduced. But, Sean, I think to answer the question, having an increase in remortgages, no, we haven't necessarily seen an increase. It's kind of just tying into where clients are getting to the end of their mortgage, where we are still able to get them a better deal because of the automated valuations. In some instances, going back to their existing lender isn't possible because that particular lender may have closed to new business, including product uh, switches. So we as mortgage brokers would then have to find the next best solution for our clients. Moving to the non-resident mortgage market, has there been a change in applications from this side? From the non-res side, there's definitely been an increase that I've seen in terms of the inquiries. There's also been a lot of concern from a lot of the investors around how will the applications progress in the sense that we, we do we start an application today because we can't necessarily get evaluation done. What we have seen is certainly from my side, a lot of interest in new builds where the lenders have shut applications purely because they can't do the physical valuations. So I think as, as Bill mentioned a little bit earlier in the conversation, it is potentially an advantage to the investor because it allows them more time to get their application process done and to get the mortgage offer out, which at the moment is going to take longer than it would have taken prior to the lockdown. In addition to what Neil has been saying, I certainly have seen quite a large increase in inquiries, which is which is great, especially in the time that we're in. But what I'm starting to see on the inquiry side and the non-residents is a lot of new inquiries from the Asian market, such as Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, etc. What I have started to find is they are in COVID-19 about four to six weeks ahead of the rest of the world. So whilst they're coming out of it, a lot of them are starting to see opportunities in the UK market and are starting to move forward with that. However, on the lender side, whilst we are still in the lockdown on the offshore side, because we have such a smaller pool of lenders, I'm starting to find lenders have taken two approaches of, uh, of this route in, take, in accepting application. The first route is not accepting any applications up until the valuers are able to re-enter the market. And the other route is accepting applications and un- underwriting the process up until the point of valuation. On the offshore side, it is much longer than the onshore in terms of processing, where we can see up, uh, from application to valuation point taking anywhere between a month to two months. So these lenders are trying to take a step forward in that. So once they, um, the valuation issue has been restrict, has been lifted, they can then move directly onto the point of going to the valuation and onto offer. Just to add to that, it, it also works to the advantage of the investor because a lot of these lenders will require payment for valuation. So in these uncertain times where the, the investor is able to get to a certain point in the application, for example, get underwritten all the way to valuation without physically paying for the valuation, they will know at that point whether they are capable of going ahead. As we're in these uncertain times, it's really difficult to know what the lender's approaches are going to be. And we're seeing an increase in the, the requirement requests from lenders. 
And I think that's quite key there, Neil, because lenders are asking more questions, you know, that can increase your, your application time. So for uh, borrowers, you know, even where the property is due, was due to be completed six months or so, it really is prudent to start those applications as soon as we can, which will allow, you know, particularly where you've got clients, you know, if they're in the Asian market or there's distance between you, you know, you've got to get, you know, some of these lenders still require original documentation. So getting, you know, posted packages out, it just helps us to make sure you can get that case in and get it processed without the client getting to a point where, where time becomes critical and, and stress levels go up. So that's really the point of advice is that if you are interested in applying for a UK mortgage as a non-resident, take action now. I, I would definitely agree with that, yes. I think the earlier you can start that process, but particularly not just from an application, but also from a, from a research perspective. You know, speaking to these banks, you know, a lot of them publish some rates. You know, some banks price the deal accordingly to the strength of the case. So what you really need to do is spend quite a bit of time initially speaking to those lenders to find out what they're offering, find out what the packaging lists are going to be. And that could be quite a manual process, which can take a bit of time, particularly now because you can't just call a bank. You, know, you might have to deal with them via email. So having that time to, A, put the options together for a client first and then being able to apply post that, um, you know, giving us more time just, just makes that process a lot easier. And I think that's a nice point to start wrapping up. Are there any last thoughts or advice you would give to somebody aside from applying as soon as possible who may be looking for a UK mortgage? The advice that I would give would be to make contact with an advisor as soon as possible. Some of the clients that I have won over have actually gone to brokers that don't charge a fee who have not been able to help the clients. And I think it's purely because there's a lot of work that needs to happen at the minute. And if the advisors aren't charging a fee, they're not earning any money on it. So the advice would be speak to somebody as soon as you can to get the process going. Thank you. Ian? Thank you, Sean. I do think that although there is a lot of uncertainty out there, this will create potential buying opportunities to investors. We only have to look at what prices have done over the last 10 years and since the global financial crisis back in 2008 to see what's happened. When we look at the nationwide house price index, that shows that on average, uh, UK property prices have increased by 33%, and in London, those prices increased by nearly 70%. Uh, So therefore, anyone who was brave enough to purchase shortly after the crisis saw a sharp rebound in property prices from 2009 onwards. Now, we are in a very different market, and although we haven't seen property prices drop as yet, if they do fall by 5 to 10%, as Bill mentioned earlier, it could open up a great buying opportunity. Uh, and I would say particularly in the new build uh, development space where developers might be looking to uh, offload their stock, particularly as completions are coming up. So when we factor that in and with a longer-term forecast by Rex seeing prices rising again within the next 12 months, I do believe it creates a great window of opportunity to potentially benefit from, from some good property deals out there. And I echo that. In terms of what I, what I discuss with my clients is making sure they understand that what Sable does is a little bit different. And what I mean by that is we provide advice, not sales. And when we are going through that research process with our clients, we're going through that process with them hand in hand, discussing their short-term views as well as their long-term and whilst there may be a buying opportunities at the moment in the market, there's also concerns down the road that we need to talk through them, discuss them in detail, and make sure we help them make the best decision they can. Ian, Neil, Bill, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. That's it for this edition of the Wealthcast. 
If you're interested in more expert analysis and opinion, please visit us at www.sableinternational.com or you can also email us at mortgages at sableinternational.com. 